Hello, I'm Toby Haydoke, and I'm going to try and find the joy in every single episode of Doctor Who that a friend of mine challenges me to watch, and I'm going to guess what they like about it too. Hi Toby, thanks very much for asking me to be a part of this, it should be a lot of fun. My name is Tom Selinski, I'm a writer, podcaster, corporate coach, and I've picked as my story, The Time Warrior. A story I think is the perfect story to show a new Who fan who's never seen the classic series before. It's the first story for Sarah Jane Smith. We get to see the Doctor through her eyes. It's the first story featuring the Santarans. It's the first pseudo-historical, something which is a big feature of the new series, celebrity historicals, but we hadn't seen them in the show before. I think it is a great story. It's one of my favourites. I fell in love with it the very first time I saw it. I'm going to be watching the... Uh, as broadcast version on the DVD, there's a version with spiffed up special effects. That probably is the version I would show this mythical new fan. But the last time I watched it, I watched that version. So today I'm going to watch the broadcast version instead, which I suspect is what, is what you're going to do. So none of the things I've said are going to be my favourite things. I haven't decided what these are yet. I haven't watched the show again. Uh, so sit back and relax. Enjoy with me, The Time Warrior. Ah, well, welcome back. It is episode two of the Time Warrior, and what I will have just played you as the intro to this episode is the introduction to it from my special guest, who, as you heard, is Tom Selinski. I'm delighted that Tom uh, is doing what no one has done before, is he is watching the episode, as I'm just about to, and then giving his instant reaction to camera into his microphone, depending on whether you're watching or listening. Um, uh, and uh, so we, we get his sort of immediate hot take. So he's doing what what, what I'm doing, uh, which is really interesting and a bit of a bit of a, a change from what uh, I am used to. So um, we've come hot off the heels of both of our favourite things. Tom and I have chosen the same thing for episode one, which is very exciting because it means that uh, I stand a chance of winning. I've never won. At the time of recording this, I have never won this podcast by guessing uh, more of the favourite things of my guest than uh, than than I don't guess. Um, so anyway, let's see if we are in accord for episode two, which is going to start in three, two, one, now. So um, yes, I started talking about the. This title sequence, uh, which was a bit of a shock to me uh, in episode one, but then it was over, because um, I didn't, I had no idea that you saw uh, the whole of John Pertwee, um, uh, which is still a bit of a, 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 a culture shock to me. I expect the Doctor's face in the titles. I don't expect the Doctor's legs. Uh, so, the, and, and and because these are a sort of halfway house, you know, between the the the, the, the famous Pertwee titles and the, the, the definitive Tom Baker titles that use some elements of, of this Pertwee title sequence, I've never quite settled into it. And it's a shame because it's a, it's a good sequence. Um, um, but it's quite, it's quite busy, isn't it? And I know for a lot of people it's, it's a favourite because it's got all the great things of that, that Baker sequence, but, uh, but, but the addition of John Pertwee's legs, which is enough to sell it for some people. I just noticed there Pertwee give, gives a nod. The Doctor gives a nod as if to say, yes, yes. I, I, I knew it to some tyrant. Um, uh, and, ah, yes, Jeremy Bullock, who I mentioned briefly last episode, um, who at the time of recording has very recently passed away. Uh, I've just 
I've just put out my memorial video that I do at the end of every year. I do an in memoriam. Uh, it takes me all year to put together. Um, uh, so it's always delightful when someone gives it a thumbs down because well, not really for me. So I'll wipe the smile off somebody's face who's worked for hours on a thing. Don't start getting. But but really, if if you don't like a video, just don't do anything. Just just go somewhere you do like. <laughs> Uh, I know I'm inviting trouble by doing this because somebody will go, oh, well, I'll do that now to be funny. Um, it, it, it's terrible because that cuts deep. <laughs> it, it really does. ruins your day. Um, okay. Um, well done, people who like ruining people's day. Um, anyway. Uh, but we've all done it. I've reviewed things. I, I actually look back now at things I've reviewed and go, why did I do it? Why was I co so keen to go, oh, I'll point out what's wrong with this. That'll teach that skilled professional who worked for hours on a thing and maybe had to make a compromise because uh, time was short and I've just gone, ah, oh, yeah, but... Um, uh, and actually, it's one of my regrets, actually. I was I was asked to review stuff for Doctor Who magazine and I did and I sort of wish sometimes... Because I'm, you know, I'm just a kid who loves Doctor Who being asked to do something for something is so keen um and so wow what me right for doctor who magazine yeah like, what have my i was right i was writing reviews setting the world to write saying what was wrong with doctor who stories for years now i can do it um and i sort of wish i wish i hadn't really uh, uh no because i didn't i didn't put my opinions um i just i'm just not sure that the world needed them and that's just didn't need my opinion of, of of, of uh, what was what was definitely the best program on television at the time and some of the best Doctor Who at the time. Uh, but you know, if there was a bit I didn't like, I pointed it out. Uh, which is another reason to do this and be positive. Um, just because I think it's better to be. I'm I'm not blind to the fact that the world is a dark place and full of things that aren't very good. But um, I don't know. I think it's better to try and leave leave a positive impression uh, and and you know it's very anyway I've, I've talked to you well I didn't mean to go on a segue I was talking about Jeremy Bullock I was talking about Jeremy Bullock and I made a lovely video that took a lot of effort and a lot of heart mm. um, uh, because Jeremy is one of the many people in 2020 who passed away and I I, I went to Jeremy's home he, he did my who's round uh, interview and uh, he was he was lovely um, he was a funny chap he was, he's not what you expect because he played Boba Fett I don't know I think Jeremy Bullock is quite a I thought was quite a you know and, he, and, and when you see pictures of him he's you know he's, he's got sort of a bit of handsome leading man about it so when I saw him in things like this he was quite light voiced and he had quite sort of sing song I was like oh that's not what I was expecting at all and he's a lovely man, Jeremy, and very self-deprecating, saying he got the part of Boba Fett just because the costume fit. Boba Fett is a... Because Jeremy Bullock played Boba Fett, as well as Hal the Archer in The Time Warrior, and Tor in the Space Museum opposite William Hartnell, with his uh, drama student friends Peter Saunders and Peter Craze, who are both no longer was Peter Craze. Michael Craze's brother died a couple of weeks after, as I record this, what, three or four days ago? He died on New Year's Eve. Uh, so I have a picture of me sitting in between Peter and Jeremy uh, when we did a thing together. Uh, Paul Ballard from Phantom Films very kindly sent me the picture. And you go, crikey, they're both no longer with us. And both younger than my mum. 
she's terrifying and and uh and, and jeremy bullock is an absolute yeah legend he plays boba fett but he was very very self-deprecating about why he got the part because he fitted the costume but there's something about boba fett he has you know he has bucket loads of uh inscrutability inscrutability inscrutableness uh and he's just a simmering presence and i know the costume's good but there's there's a certain indefinable magic that Jeremy Bullock brings to it. I don't I, I don't think any actor could have done that. Um, and I like the fact that therefore the Jeremy Bullock Boba Fett is in Doctor Who as well. And I went to Jeremy Bullock's house and he has a he had a Boba Fett room in his house. He took me up after we'd done the interview where he revealed that when he wasn't working he did lots of painting and decorating. Uh, and it was quite funny because he, he went on, like I sort of went on on a slightly Alan Partridge-y uh, uh, a segue there, Dad. I went down Partridge Avenue um, with my, oh, yep, yep, people putting a thumbs down. Um, you know, it's the, it's the worst thing you can do is to take issue with a critic because it makes you sound petty. Uh, and it makes, uh, and, it, and it makes it look like it's got to you. And that is, that, that is the victory for them. Shut up, Toby. I will. Um, and uh, but Jeremy was talking about painting and decorating, and he suddenly he did. He he went down Partridge Avenue. I sort of go. And then sometimes people, you know, these women would this, this the woman would say, "Oh, and you haven't done that skirting board properly." Oh well, madam, I think it's fine that you brought your dog back in from the walk and you hadn't dried him, and then you let him go up against the skirting board. And he got quite sort of sort of pernickety. I'm suddenly going. Boba Fett is being a bit a bit a bit. A bit a bit like a bit of a sort of a bit partridgey about but about his painting and decorating business because he's a very skilled painter and decorator you know that was it because we were talking about what he did you know when he wasn't acting i thought he might say oh i helped mate in a shop but he actually was was a skilled and and took his painting and decorating very seriously and got annoyed with customers who were twats <laughs> and remembered them 20 years later uh, all things that i would do <laughs> I wouldn't remember any of the houses that went well. I'd remember the woman who annoyed me because she didn't dry a dog from the walk and then blamed my, the skirting boards on me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, after that, uh, dear Jeremy, there he is, uh, took me up to his Boba Fett room where he had every piece of Boba Fett merchandise available from a full-size Boba Fett to a Boba Fett electric guitar, Boba Fett watch, a, a female Boba Fett. Um... And, uh, and here he is about to get his head chopped off uh, uh, by John Jacob and Steve Brunswick again you can tell Steve Brunswick's the one with the sort of fur shoulders uh, he will peak we will get peak Brunswick in episode 3 um, but he looks good Jeremy uh, uh, Bullock he looks like Robin Hood doesn't he and he's in Robin of Sherwood as Edward of Wickham uh, so you know he was he was around he was always he was part he was part of the furniture but as i say i was quite surprised when i got to this to find that sort of sing-song lilt that he has much higher register than i than i thought um but he totally looks the part you'd have him as robin hood wouldn't you jeremy uh and he was and because he was quite self-deprecating he's much funnier than he would give himself credit for i think but behind that oh well i was just wearing the costume he's, he was an utter gentleman he was funny. Um, he was also funny when he was talking about painting and decorating when he did when he didn't mean to be funny. But that's okay, and I'm not being mean when I say that. I, you know, I, I'm. I will point out 
my own folly equally quickly, but it did amuse me. It stuck with me. The fact that <laughs> anyway, so I'm not. I'm not pleased. I'm speaking with love. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, he was very very decent with his time. Picked me up from the station. Uh, allowed me into his home. His beautiful home. His lovely wife too. Um, talked so lovingly of his grandchildren as well. So un. You know nothing about his career bothered him at, at all. He was he was really happy to talk about it. But because some actors would you know some actors having played Boba Fett would go yeah well uh, you know um, the thing about Boba Fett was that uh, uh, you know I, it was my idea to do this. Or he just went well look Bob, Boba Fett's amazing and, and an icon and it's not really much to do with me. I was it was just fate. It was just, and you go no uh, you know a lot of people big up their parts. I think Jeremy if anything underplayed his role and 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 i but i don't think it was false modesty either because because you can spot that a mile off i just think he genuinely he liked acting he did loads of really interesting stuff but he loved his grandchildren and he was he just i really liked him and i'm 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 oh you know i'm sad that uh, that uh, the weavers of my childhood dreams uh, are, are dwindling uh, but i'm also extremely lucky to have spent quality time with them I'm not talking much about the Time Warrior, I'm sorry. Uh, it's my birth, it's my party, and I'll segue if I want to. <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that Luke thinks Iron Gron's a dick. <laughs> and I love the fact that Iron Gron just smashes his way through everywhere. Oh, and this is where he sees his face for the first time. And 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 the and the and the bit above his nose, the, the sort of little cross. It's such a brilliant design. Um, <laughs> I love the way because I want to him toad face, doesn't he? I love that. Um, but that the articulation, the mouth, in that costume, and the fact that you can see that, and 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 it's funny. I never had this one on VHS because it was one of the ones edited together, wasn't it? And my copy of this, which was uh, I think must have been a very you know second generation from an Australian airing because I had an excellent quality copy of this uh, on a scotch tape to me from a spiffy scotch tapes were the ones that, that lasted but they were really expensive I had the time warrior one to four and seeds of doom one to three on one tape did I or did I have claws of axos seeds of doom one to three seeds of doom four to six time warrior you know what, I can't remember, and I would have known. I would have been able to. I it was definitely a Scotch. I think that was it. I think that's what I had. I think I'd asked for a Pertwee, and then Seeds of Doom on a separate tape, and the guy who'd done them had had, had mixed them up, and I was never quite happy that Tom Baker was stuck in between two John Pertwees. It didn't didn't feel right. I think I'd maybe wanted Frontier in Space in the middle, uh, and that and that actually came on a separate tape. Uh, that probably bothered me far more than it should have done. Look at that! That's a Doctor Who image. The Doctor, there's a scientist in a medieval castle in his pajamas doing hypnotized science. Uh, Doctor Who d does incongruity beguilingly and brilliantly better than anything else. It's the Yeti on the loo in Tootingbeck. It's the it's the pajamaed scientist in a medieval castle with computer banks. I love that. Uh, it, 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 uh, and, and here comes Professor Rubish, uh, who can't see, which is probably good for when he comes to read the Claudia credits and finds he's, he's tumbled to the bottom of them. Uh, 
he's uh, he's great. I think I think that's he's bald now. Don't tell me, but I I think is that a wig? I think it must be. Um, uh, so I haven't I haven't actually talked about the episode much. So um, I I, sh I shouldn't be stumbling here because there's plenty to discuss. Oh, Tom Tom Selinsky, by the way, who's who's doing this, I think, so brilliantly. Um, it's it, 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 I, I, when I say with this thing, you know, I'm. I'm asking a friends of mine. Tom did a quiz on Outpost Gallifrey on a forum, um, and and named a number of things. And it was like you had to do pointless. You had to you had to name one that the fewest people would name. I think. And and I think my my real joker to play was when he said name a member of unit, and I uh, but not an extra. And I mentioned Private Upton, who is not credited in Doctor of the Silurians because he's played by Simon Kane who plays a Silurian but he does have lines so he's a he's more of a character and I explained that in my answer um, and anyway and I won this thing I won this quiz it's the only thing I've ever won I think on Outpost Gallifrey and this is before I'd done Moth Saint My Doctor Who Scarf or anything like that uh, and then I was doing Moth Saint My Doctor Who Scarf in Edinburgh and this bloke was doing a show nearby I think or we said yes oh because his wife was doing the show after mine I think or before mine She's a fine uh, comic and broadcaster, Deborah Francis White, and um, and he said, "Oh, I'm Tom Selinsky. and I'm like, "You're kidding!" And we we'd literally done this thing not long before beforehand, so we met then, and uh, and it's it's amazing, how hey? You know, you meet, you come across each other online, and then fate fate throws fate has thrown many a Doctor Who connection in my way. Not least June Brown Dot Cotton, who actually had my copy of the time warrior that scotch tape which i put in into a into a proper box because my friend had got a video store and he'd got some spare boxes a gray snapshot plastic box because i was a, a spear carrier in a play at ludlow castle with an actor called robert arnold uh it was in it was in as you like it with touchstone played by sylvester mccoy uh it was no no but it was it was it was the scottish play Bob came back the following year to Ludlow. It was the Scottish play, David Rintoul, Hayden Gwynn, and Ross was played by Robert Arnold, who was married to June Brown. So I lent him my copy of The Time Warrior and didn't get, and, and he sent it back to me a year later, just before coming to Ludlow again. So we did actually work with each other again, so he could have carried it, but he, he, he I think he felt guilty, thought I can't go back to Ludlow till I send that lad his Doctor Who uh, video back. Uh, and, and, as a reward, bless her, June Brown um, got uh, uh, Sharon, uh, Nick Cotton and Pete Beale to sign photos for me. So I've got signed photos of those. Pete Beale, of course, was an extra in The Face of Evil, which I didn't know at the time. So that's a Doctor Who person. Uh, so I've got signed photos of all those and she signed hers dot and they put lots of dots on the picture. Um, so she actually, my video copy of the time, which I still have in the attic upstairs, was actually at Dot Cotton, Lady Eleanor's house, for for nearly a year. Uh, Bob Arnold sadly is is uh, is no longer with us. Uh, he was Robert Arnold, the actor. He's in the Countdown episode of Blake Seven. He's not Bob Arnold, who was in The Archers. They're two different actors. Uh, but the Bob I knew acted as Robert Arnold. Um, uh, and we have to mention Jacqueline Stanbury, who doesn't make the credits at all. Who was a maid. Mary in episode one, and, they, and episode one was overrunning, so they cut the cut the one scene that she was in. Uh, I don't know anything about her other than the fact that she was nearly in Doctor Who and then wasn't. 
Um, or they cut her lines anyway. Um, uh, I think Lynx is such a convincing creature. He stands in quite a sexy way. Um, I don't know, and I'm, I'm a totally heterosexual man, but I think there's something about the way that Lynx holds himself that's quite, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the one leg forward and one leg slightly back. Um, and maybe it's the maybe it's the leather costume. Maybe that's it. So it says says me in my I'm wearing my birthday shirt and a rather garish kerchief. I was given many, and I will learn to love them all. Um, <laughs> he's got hairy ears. He's got Dennis Healy's eyebrows. I love that because they're real and they don't draw attention to themselves. The designer's not going, "Oh, look at this." The designer is augmenting it with with clever little touches. And I believe the skin. I believe that that is skin, and the the, the mouth. You get a performance, and it's a brilliant performance. And he invests the creature with a real personality. And he's got. I talked about this when we did Sontaran experiment. He's got. He's an Australian who's doing RP, and it so it means it's a slightly compromised diction. Um, my ship's frequency. So it, it, it yeah, it's which makes it unique um, because it's this weird synthesis of the two um, and it's a neat idea isn't it um, I mean it's, it's weird I don't quite buy the idea that um, uh, you, you haven't got enough you, you, you haven't, you're not quite equipped to take off but you are equipped to travel or at least or at least yeah to travel forward in time with enough solidity to be able to steal some snatch some scientists it, 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 it seems to me if you have that technology that this that this this plan is sort of unnecessary but it, it, it but i don't care i don't care i only say that just because i i, I otherwise i'd talk about john perkley's green jacket um uh, I, I, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me that 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 the, the, the plot doesn't quite hang for me in a way because what it gives us is this wonderful um, uh, uh, sort of parallel storyline of 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 links arming these two idiots and their stupid men um, with gradually more advanced weapons so that's quite a wheeze for the story that is quite a wheeze you have the you know, you have the robot knight um, whose arms are clearly coming out of his sides, not his shoulders, because he's you know he's tall, it's clever, um, uh, and, and and now he's giving them you know guns and 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 the sort of fascination that that Lynx has with this sort of little war game that he plays that he doesn't do with any sort of glee, which I like. Um, some you know sometimes villains can enjoy themselves too much. To him, it's 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 a you know it's a sort of it's a, it's a diversion. He's not. He, he's not particularly enjoying himself, um, uh, but he said, does say he says it would amuse me to think of Ivo, but he's not. He's not a cackling villain. Uh, he's he's a terse, functional guy trying to do a thing, and while he's doing it, you know, has this sideline in in arming thickos. <laughs>
Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah, he'll be feeding the crows. Yeah. Feeding the crows. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I always worried about things like that. The uh, fact that behind Sarah and Hal, you know, is obviously, you know, white studio backdrop because, you know, they can't put the sky in or whatever, you know, you know a, a background in. But um, it was televisual grammar. You, you knew what they were driving at. You accepted it. Um, oh, you know. I'll, I'll be saying that sort of thing till I blew in the face. So it's almost totally redundant. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for listening to that. But a thing I've just said that I then immediately followed up by saying it's pointless. Um, oh, that's the other thing is, of course, this is January the 2nd. I mean, it doesn't really count as January the 2nd anymore when I'm recording this. So yesterday we found out that John Bishop, who I've known for about 20 years and gigged with for 20 years, uh, is now a part of doctor who's rich history it's really weird now watching the show where you know people i've rubbed shoulders with people i know I and mean, he, he texted me afterwards when i texted him um you know are now part of this thing that uh, you know for all my involvement with i've never i've never you know i've never actually been been in uh so it's 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 a, it's a strange and uh bittersweet experience uh I'm delighted for John. He's a top fella uh, and one of the best comedians I've ever worked with. He's such a good comic. And he's, a, you know, an earthy and very natural actor, which I like, which I think Doctor Who needs in its uh, in its companion figures because they, they ground the drama. Um, and we've got a new companion in this. That's, is that, that's clearly not John Pertwee in this rather nice long shot that... Uh, uh, it, uh, uh, director Alan Bromley who again I haven't mentioned uh, uh, and the episode has finished poor old director Alan Bromley um, oh gosh I, I didn't talk about the episode then much but I have to just I have to just trust my instincts don't I and just go with uh, with whatever's on my mind I'm, oh I went up Partridge Avenue that's right <laughs> uh, Hal Jeremy Bullock Eleanor June Brown gosh she's she's she must be in her nineties now, wasn't she? Is she? Oh, as is Donald Pelmere. So, uh, Mark Boyle, Kronos himself, is the fighter ranger. Oh yes, Peckforton Castle, uh, just up the road, is a. It's been a great location. I like all these. Everyone gets a single credit, a single caption credit. Alan Bromley, I must tell you about him next week. Uh so. But in talking about that and getting slightly distracted, uh, uh, and having played my, I've got to now try and pause the episode three. Um, having played my Lynx Joker, I think much of what I talked about then was uh, Lynx. Um, so what in that? Well, I mean, it's it's going to be a bit boring, isn't it? But I think it's going to... I think it's going to have to... You know, am I just going to do the characters? Um, but I, I I mean, I love Iron Gron and Bloodaxe. Um, I, I, I loved Iron Gron's reaction to to um, seeing Lynx's face. So you also fair across to us. Have we had that... Have we had the line where I, because of course I talk through it, I have to, which means it's very difficult for me to sometimes, you know, pick up on everything. Um, I know 
uh, uh, Iron God has that lovely line where he describes the Doctor as a long-shanked rascal with a mighty nose. <laughs> Which Terence Dix always said that people quoted him as being a brilliant, typical Robert Holmes line, but Terence said it was actually one of his. And th I, I, that wouldn't surprise me because Terence is a much funnier writer than he's given credit for. Um, and we always know him as the genius script editor and we know Robert Holmes is capable of the most brilliant and funny lines, but Terence is funny too. Um, uh, anyway, um, I took my eye off the ball there slightly. Um, but, oh, scientists in pyjamas in a castle. No, I think I'm going to go for, because I think sometimes I, you know, choose a tiny thing like a prop and then and forget to mention a really brilliant character. So I'm going to, uh, with the promise of looking out for more next week rather than saying which members of the cast I lent things to <laughs> or whose house I've been to. Uh, I'm going to choose two characters, the actors of whom I've never met and whose houses I've never been to. But Bloodaxe and Irongron, uh, I think, are super duper. Uh, I think they're brilliant characters. I think they're a great double act. I think they're very funny, but they're also plausible threats and they're judged perfectly because they're stupid, but, you, but never to the point where you don't take them seriously as protagonists and as, as a danger to the Doctor. So Iron Gron and Bloodaxe, because I love them and uh, I would have chosen them for, 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 for one of the episodes. So I'm going to choose them for this one. I'm not sure Tom's going to have chosen them for this one. Just, well, let's see what he's chosen. I may have squandered my lead. And episode two doesn't disappoint either. It's all just fantastic, isn't it? I mean, maybe the robot's a little bit embarrassing. Uh, it looks very good with its head cut off, though, I've got to say. I'm not absolutely sure that that would be a deal breaker for a New Who fan. It's about the only thing which is coming close to it. Um, I think what I admire most about this episode is just how well plotted it all is. The business with Rubish's glasses is brilliant, means that he can be an active force, and it's all been carefully seeded in from episode one. Uh, and then we have the situation where the Doctor is apparently being held prisoner and is subdued. At the same time, Sarah Jane Smith, who's only just met him, suspects that he is the bad guy. And now the raid on the castle is going to unwittingly bring the Doctor back into the fold as a force for good again. It's really brilliantly constructed. There's so much else here going on to enjoy that great high angle shot of the fight at the end, making it probably not obvious that that wasn't John Pertwee but uh it's yeah I think it's I think it's the plotting Holmes's plotting is just fantastic here absolutely brilliant episode three yeah I'll take that that was good uh, and uh, yes I'd forgotten funny enough I nearly said I'm not a great fan of the robot because I'm not a great fan of the robot um and I wish I had now because it shows that Tom and I are still very much in accord it is it is the one I think weak point for me I think it's because his arms are clearly coming out of his sides and they built his shoulder up. That means that they can chop his head off. It's actually uh, an efficient uh, and, and smart piece of costuming to pull off the, you know, the trick of chopping his head off. Anyway, it just does flap about a bit. Um, and it moves, yeah. Anyway, this is the accentuate the positive thing. I just thought it was interesting that the, the one thing I'd have put as a, as a chink in uh, uh, the armour of uh, the Time Warrior is the is the, the guy in armour. Um, but I'll take the plotting. And I forgot, yes, the thing where Sarah actually 
yeah, it is a nice wheeze that Sarah thinks the doctor's up to no good. And yeah, the whole the whole thing they're doing now is they're not rescuing him. They've come to capture him because they think he's a baddie, which is a brilliant sort of almost farcical thing. But I didn't choose that. I chose Iron Gone and Blood Axe. So it's one all uh, to me and Tom. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm getting tired, but I can't miss the opportunity to um, uh, yeah to, to 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 watch episode three tonight. You won't get it. it. Makes no difference to you. You will get that on the next episode. So uh, uh, for now, thanks very much. But do join me when I release the next episode, which is the last episode of Doctor Who to be broadcast before I was born. So there's a thing. Uh, I'll see you next time. Ta-ta. Thanks ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. My special guest this time around is Tom Selinski, who you can find on Twitter at Tom Selinski. Over on Patreon, there are some long-shanked rascals using their mighty noses to sniff out the goodies there on my page. And they include, and I'm grateful to them all, Peter Crocker, Dave Curran, Rob Dawson, Tim Dickinson, Pete Dillon Trenchard, Paul Dykes, Andrew East, David Gillespie, Charles Gears, Lisa Gledhill, Paul J. Guest, Steve Hatcher, Duncan Harvey, Simon Hodges, Sam Hollingsworth, Matthew Hooliston, Darren Howard, Gregory Hudson, Paul Ingerson, Robert Jewell, Christopher Joyce, and Judith Jackson. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork by Dylan Patterson. Now, if you want to be described as a long-shanked rascal with a mighty nose over on my Patreon page, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, and you get charged immediately, by the way, as soon as you sign up, uh, you can enjoy advance releases, exclusive material, much of it to do with Doctor Who, some of it not, some of it to do with comedy or radio plays or various other creative endeavours of mine, uh, and you can also qualify for a badge if you're on one of the higher tiers. But generally, even the bottom tier gets access to all of the material, just not the badges. You know, I've got to lure the big coin with something. <laughs> and uh, obviously, if you are not in a position to do that or are disinclined so to do, which is perfectly fine and understandable, you could do a one-off donation at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Or you could just enjoy these podcasts, and I'm very grateful to you for listening to them, and uh, support them for free by giving them a five-star review or some nice comments anywhere where you get your podcasts, because that really helps make my algorithms go all gooey, and I want a gooey algorithm or two. Please also sign up to my YouTube channel at Toby Haydock, where later down the line there will be a video version of this audio podcast so you can see what sort of hat I was wearing or what my moustache looked like, if indeed I had one when I was watching and enjoying The Time Warrior. I have a website, uh, www.tobyhaydock.com. I'm on Twitter at Toby Haydock. And these podcasts, Toby Haydock's Time Travels, have their own Twitter feed at Haydock Podcasts. Please do follow that. Haydock is spelt inexplicably H A D. O-K-E. And you can also follow my comedy club, Excess Malarkey, online at twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey, where there is a live show every Tuesday at 8pm GMT.